This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 5. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Although this isn't the worst of the genealogies, these are some pretty, some pretty good names in here. Um, most of them we know. Uh, me and me and Miss Ricky was was talking beforehand. There's only one in here that I believe has too many A's and too many L's in it to even be a name. But we're going to see that God's providence through the entirety of His Word is is evident. The intelligent design of the Bible is just that. We have an intelligent designer. We have a creator God who has created everything that we see, including us. And he did not stop his intelligent design at creation. His intelligent design goes throughout every single fiber, every single atom, every single thing of this world, including his God-breathed inspired word, the Bible. Everything is written for the exact purpose of showing Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world. From Genesis to Revelations, we've said this over and over again. This is one of those times where I am super excited because here it is. In Genesis 5, we're talking about Jesus. It's incredible. Even in a, a genealogy, it's ten generations from Adam to Noah through the line of Seth, Right, We understand that there's a fall of man in chapter 3, and in chapter 4, we get the account of Cain and Abel. Cain is the firstborn child to Adam and Eve in our biblical record. They're cast out of the garden. Adam knows his wife. Here comes Cain. Adam knows his wife. Here comes Abel. They uh, have professions, if you want to put it that way. One is a grower of herbs and vegetables. One is a shepherd, one who herds animals. They are sacrificing to God. Abel's sacrifice is acceptable to God, the Bible says, and it's pleasing to God. Cain's sacrifice is not pleasing to God. God tells Cain, your sacrifice isn't pleasing to me. Abel's is pleasing to me. Cain doesn't like that. Cain kills Abel. Cain tries to hide Abel's death. God speaks to Cain again. This is obviously a summary, but this is just all of one chapter. And uh, God basically says, hey, where's your brother? Almost the same question that he asked Adam. Where are you, Adam? He comes to Cain and he says, where's Abel? Where, Where is your brother? And Cain, if you can believe it or not, speaks to God like this. Well, I'm not my brother's keeper. <laughs> could you imagine speaking? First of all, could you imagine God speaking to you? Absolutely not. But but then turning around and in a most prideful and haughty way, do you, do you understand why Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted? It's been said God's, God took a- Abel's sacrifice because it was a blood sacrifice, because it was it was a lamb. And he rejected Cain's sacrifice because it was vegetables, but that's that's a falsity. 
That, that is a falsity. You can even see that in Leviticus when it wasn't just blood sacrifices that God demanded. He demanded the first fruits of the vine, the first fruits of the field. The first, he, he demanded the first fruits of everything. So Cain's heart wasn't towards God. That's why his sacrifice wasn't accepted. Abel's heart was towards God. That's why his sacrifice was accepted. It's already the gospel message, and we haven't even got to chapter 5 yet, right? And don't let's not forget in chapter 3, when Adam and Eve fall, that God himself makes a sacrifice. He kills an animal, and he clothes Adam and Eve. He gives out the curses, and even in the curse, the promise of the Messiah is there, where it says the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Right? Or crush the head of the serpent. I'm sorry. The serpent is going to bruise his heel. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's the gospel message. That's what happened. That's the cross. Right? We just went through Resurrection Sunday. You don't think that Satan was defeated at the cross or the resurrection? Well, the Bible says different. He he has been defeated. Amen? <clears throat> Get me preaching. We're supposed to be teaching. Let me slow down. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it, it's just, this excites me. You know I love history. You know I love this this nerdy stuff of the Bible that that in the middle of this is a message. In, in just a few names, we get the gospel message. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. So there are many holy books according to the world. Uh, <clears throat> according to the world today, they claim that there are many books that claim to be the Word of God. We have the Bible that the Christians say is the Word of God. The Muslim says the Holy Quran is just that. It's holy and it's inspired by Allah, the one and only God. We have the Book of Mormon, who is... Uh, uh, um, I got transfiguration in my head. It is not transfigured. Uh, a twisting of the Word of God but they claim that that's holy as well. But are all of these truly inspired of God? Or is there one book, one integrated message system that truly separates itself from all the others by design? Well, yeah, we have the Bible. We can see that. And this study tonight is one of those instances where the Bible proves itself to be not man-made, but intelligently put together and orchestrated by God himself. That's why we go to 2 Timothy and we believe the words of the Apostle Paul that says all Scripture is good, all Scripture is needed, it's good for teaching, it's good for reproof, it's, God, it's literally God-breathed out. Did God write the Bible? No, and we're going to see that. He used man to write his Bible. But it is all inspired word. It's not man's words. It's God's words. Did Moses articulate the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, in Moses' words? Absolutely he did. But he used Moses the same way that he uses us. Did Moses choose which words to write down? Absolutely he did. He chose to write the way that he did. We have the first five books of the Bible. It was written in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, a language that we don't even know anymore. Um, and, and it's been translated into many languages from Hebrew to English, but yet still 
from the loss of the original language, I believe we have the word of God because that's what the Bible says. Can he stretch through time and talk through ancient, ancient uh, languages? Yeah. If he wanted us to read it in ancient Hebrew the way it was written the first time, we, we would find the language again, <laughs> right? But it's, it is what it is. Over 40 different authors, over a 1,500-year period, all written by different people in different times with different things going on, situations, under persecution, under times of peace, all God breathed. All God breathed. There's only one book that can claim that. The Quran was written by one person, right? The prophet Muhammad. One person wrote the Quran in a very short time. And then he had all these other writings that you're supposed to use with the Quran, and they're just as holy as the holy word of God, which doesn't make sense to me. And we have, you could say, well, there's people who say the Christians have the same thing. We have mountains of commentaries on the scripture, right? But none of them claim, if they're, if they're truly Christian, none of them claim that those commentaries bear any weight against the word of God. We have all these commentaries because God has inspired men still to write, but they have yet to add to Revelation, right? The, the Word of God has been writ. <laughs> it's been wrote, whatever, whatever the right word is, right? It's been written. There you go. I see that my, my teacher was cringing in the back. I'm sorry. But <clears throat> it's been written, and, uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon wrote a lot of things down. Every one of his sermons was transcribed, which is, a, which is incredible to me. He never once claimed to write Scripture. Right. Uh, it, it, me today, when I sit down and I write a message out, right, I add a lot of words to articulate to a passage of Scripture. I promise you I'm not writing Scripture. Just read some of my notes. It's barely inspired by me, let alone inspired by, by my God. But he takes my words and he he puts to it the anointing and it works. Same thing with the Bible. Moses wrote down what he was inspired to write down. And God manifest himself in the page. Same thing with, with, with the uh, New Testament apostles and writers. God inspired them to write letters to churches. And through that, God spoke. Okay? And we're going to see that tonight, too. That's, there's only one book who, who claims that claims that. <clears throat> and it's this small library of 66 books and letters that claim to be the inspired word of God, but not only hold the claim, but can back that claim up. And this is this is one of those instances. <clears throat> so there is indeed one book, one holy book that distinguishes itself from the rest, and, and we know that book to be we be to be the Bible. One small little caveat here, or little rabbit trail. Even in the Quran, there is a passage of scripture, and it just come to me. I wish I could have put it down, but we can find it later. There is a scripture, if you want to say it like that. There is a sentence in the Quran that goes something a little bit like this, loose paraphrase. If you have a hard time believing the words of this 
Holy Quran. Go find a Bible and read the Bible and find a Christian and talk to them because they hold the truth. That's in the Quran. We'll find it. We'll find the passage afterward if you want to, but that's a loose translation of if you can't understand the Quran, go read the Bible. The, there's nowhere in the Bible that says if you don't understand this, go to another source. It says if you don't understand this, literally you're not of me and you need to be of me and then you will understand it. <laughs> right? It, there's no other book like the Bible. There, there really isn't. And there never will be. The Bible says of itself that everything is going to burn up with fervent fire, but the Word of God is going to remain. The, the Iliad can't claim that. Webster's Dictionary can't claim that. The New York Times can't claim that. Your favorite book can't claim that. The Bible is true. <clears throat> Since the Bible truly is what it claims to be, the inspired written word of God, it should not surprise us that there are embedded patterns put there by a master designer of them all, the Lord himself. He is the intelligent designer of even holy scripture. Everything works to his will. Everything works to his orchestrated providence. Everything is in his control and it shall be what he wills, period. Jesus made a very, uh, a very curious remark to the Jewish leaders in the Gospel of John. That's uh, John 5 and 46. It's on your papers there. Uh, they were questioning him about, uh, about several different things there. And then he says this in John 5 and 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. So here's Jesus saying, hey... I don't have to go very far into this book and I'm already hearing about Jesus. Now, for those of you who've read the Old Testament or like Miss Eddie is reading it over again and starting over again, is Jesus' name mentioned in the Old Testament? No. We have prophecy of the Messiah to come, the one who will come, the Son of Man and Daniel. He, he's all through it, but Jesus is mentioned in the New Testament, not the Old Testament, but here is Jesus himself saying, Moses wrote of me. That, that bears weight. That bears weight to me. There's those out there who say, now that we're under this new covenant, we, we don't even need to really worry about the Old Testament. They're trying actually today actively to decouple the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we don't understand the New Testament unless we read the Old Testament. None of the truths of the New Testament mean anything. What is revealed prophecy if I don't know the prophecy? Right? If Jesus is supposed to be this one that the old talked about, well, I need to know what the old said, right, to back him up. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies. I need to know that. There's many messiahs who have come even today. There's people standing up saying, I'm this Jesus that the Bible talks about. They ain't fulfilled one of these prophecies. Not one of them. Other than the fact they got the name right. Well, guess what? That was over 2,000 years ago that a man stood up and said he was Jesus. And he fulfilled 299 plus other ones. <laughs> right? Like if you didn't have the Old Testament, where did it all start? You just start the New Testament, where did it all start? I mean, 
the old testament we can we cannot beginning of the earth and land yeah we cannot decouple the old testament from the new testament uh just simple fact alone the day of pentecost whenever they come out of that upper room and peter stands up and he preaches the first christian message after christ right and 3,000 get saved. They got saved from hearing the Old Testament. He was quoting Micah. He was quoting Joel. He, he's quoting the scriptures. Paul, the same thing. Uh, Stephen, before he stoned, the reason they stoned the man is because he uses scripture to show them the error of their ways. That was all Old Testament. Let me tell you, it still works today. That's why we're going through Amos on Sunday nights. Amos still speaks to us today because all Scripture is God-breathed. Amen. No other book is like, it's like the Bible. That's literally why we're Christians because this Bible has told us we need to be Christians. We're sinners. We need a Savior, and I believe it because it told me exactly who I was. A book from thousands of years ago when I read it and it starts talking about me, old man, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me, wicked and depraved. Yeah, that's me who wants to run from God instead of running to God. Yeah, that's me who loves the things of this world and not the things of God. Yeah, that's me. Oh, I'm in trouble because if that's true, then all the rest of it's true. But then here's this God who says, I'm going to give you wrath, but here's grace. You deserve wrath. But that same God says, here's grace. Right here. Right here in Genesis 5. So the gospel message is in Genesis chapter 5. Right there, interwoven, interwoven into the first recorded genealogy of the Bible. This is why I've said a while back, if you remember <clears throat> when we went through uh, during Christmas time, uh, the songs of Mary and the genealogy of Christ, both in Matthew and Luke. Uh, genealogies are in there for a reason. There's several of them through the Bible. This is the first one, and uh, let's read it. Genesis chapter 5. <clears throat> it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day <clears throat> then when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 80 uh, 800, 800, that would, that would be a lot, 800 years. He had them, uh, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam uh, lived were 930 years, and he died. Now notice that, and he died. We've already been in this genealogy once before when we talked about Enoch, right? And he died, and he died, and he died, and then he was not. That's, that's the same passage. <clears throat> so Adam lived 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. 
Then Seth lived eight <coughs> eight hundred and seven years after he became the father of Enosh, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years, and he died. Enosh lived ninety years and became the father of Kenan. He was a youngin. He only lived to ninety before he he soured his first his first son. Then Enosh lived eight hundred and fifty years after he became the father of Kenan, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were nine hundred and five years, and he died. Kenan lived seventy years. They're getting younger and younger. Seventy years, and became the father of Mahalalel. That's the one with too many A's and L's in it. Then Kenan lived 840 years after he became the father of Mahalalel, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. Then Mahalalel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Enoch lived 800 years after he had become the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Methuselah walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's the one that doesn't die. Methuselah lived 185, 87 years, let me get it right, and became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived 700 and 82 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died, the oldest recorded man in the Bible. Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work, and from the toil of the hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 775 years, and he died. Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Amen. Not too bad. Got a little tongue-tied. Mahalalel. I've said that about a hundred times at least to make sure that I get it right. Mahalalel. <clears throat> I just want to say it a few more times because I feel I feel pretty accomplished at Mahalalel. We all know Methuselah. It's a, it's a long name, but we've heard Methuselah. So, I mean, we've known Methuselah since we were in, in kindergarten and up if you lived if you went to church uh, as a youngin, because he's the oldest man in the Bible, right? Okay. He's the oldest one that that was ever recorded in in the Bible. Sometime if you ever want to do something, see from from the time Noah, uh, yeah, not Noah, but from the time Methuselah was born, 
until the day of the flood, the year of the flood, if it wasn't the same amount of years, 969. It it is, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. That's now, that don't mean he was in the flood. He might have died before the flood. No, no, no. He died in the flood, but that's, that's we're gonna we're talking about these ten names and what they mean, and that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Methuselah, uh, uh, Enoch was told of the Lord that Methuselah was going to live and then when he died it was going to be in the world like that's what in Methuselah no I'm sorry Methuselah was told not Enoch we don't know the end of Enoch's story because it's still going on today yeah. TBD to be continued but Methuselah was told that the the year you die it's going to be it's going to be judgment right and as long as you are alive I'm going to hold back judgment but when you die, judgment's coming, right? So that that's exactly you're you're right. He dies, it's the flood. <laughs> that's what that's what God foretold, His providence. So there's a gospel message in this. Jesus is in here. Did you see it? Well, of course not. You have to look at the names. There's ten names here, from Adam through the line of Seth, right? Because Cain kills Abel and God gives Adam and Eve a, a new lineage. Cain is cursed. His line literally is going to end. Right? He, there's an end to Cain's lineage. He, there is no descendants of Cain today. It is through the line of Seth. Because Noah is the only one left on the ark, right? Noah and his family, he comes through the line of Seth. Everybody else is dead. They're all wiped off. The Bible says in the very next uh, chapter, and well, the next few chapters in the flood, that God, God takes all flesh. There, there's none alive. So what? It stops right there, then began all new over again. Yes. Yeah. It, it starts a whole new deal over again. That's right. So let's look at these names. So the gospel message is in the genealogy itself. It's in the meaning of the names. And whenever we get the meanings of these names and we put it into a sentence, it's, it's the first gospel message. So Adam means man, literally means man. Seth, the son uh, of Adam, means appointed. Note that Eve said... Whenever Seth was born, for God has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, who Cain slew. So that is that that is the the recognizing that God has given them a line, a lineage. Cain is Cain is no more. He's cursed, right? There's there's the curse of original sin, and then on top of that, Cain is cursed even even further, right? He can't even be with his own people, and. and that's scary in itself because Cain even tells God, that's like, that's a big deal. What If I go there, they're going to kill me, right? And he marks Cain and he says, whoever slays Cain will be slew and you're going to be okay, but you're, you're not a part of this anymore. Go off, go. And that's exactly what happened. So Enosh, the next line, means moral, frail, or miserable. Uh, it's from the root word Enosh, and it is to be incurable, 
It's also used uh, as a form of wound, grief, woe, sickness, or wickedness. Uh, Enosh had a pretty terrible name. You don't see many Enoshes going around today. Wow. It's kind of like Judas. There's not many people named Judas because it's just it's got a it's got a legacy to it, right? Names mean something, and we're going to see that even today. Kenan is the next one means sorrow or dirge. Mahalalel comes from the root word mahalal, which means blessed. Why couldn't they just say blessed or praise? And El is is the name of God, right? It's it's a name for God. Uh, thus, his name means the blessed God. Okay, that doesn't mean that Mahalalel was held in, as a god, but that's just what his name means, the blessed God. Same thing as Yeshua or Jesus, right? It's the same same thing, depending on what language you're in. But means God's salvation, right? God saves. But that one is true, literally God. But that doesn't mean that somebody named Jesus today, which there's many, many of them, they're not God's salvation. There's only been one Jesus. <clears throat> Jared comes from a verb, uh, meaning shall come down. Okay. Enoch means teaching or commencement. Methuselah comes from muth, a root word that means death, and from shellac, not what you put on tables. Shellac, which means to bring or to send forth. So Methuselah name means his death shall bring. And that's that's literally what happened. That's what God says. Your death, upon your death, the world's going to see judgment. Your death shall bring judgment. And that's, that's the flood. The year Methuselah dies, the flood comes. Thank you, Brother Gene. I already had that wrote down. Lamech is a root, uh, a root to a word that we still use today in the English language, the lament or lamentation, right? It's the name of a book of our Bible, meaning despairing, okay? Noah means to bring relief or comfort, and that's what Lamech says in itself in Genesis 5 and 29. We, we just read it. it says that you're going to bring, uh, we'll read it again, now he he calls his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. So this, is, this isn't stuff that we make up. It's, the Bible literally tells us what these names mean, right? So if you put it all together, I got it broke out for you in brackets on the bottom there. If you put it all together, you get a sentence. And... The sentence goes like this, man is appointed to moral sorrow. Kind of sounds like the curse, right? Kind of sounds like original sin, right? But the blessed God shall come down teaching. Kind of sounds like what Jesus did, right? What's this blessed God teaching? This blessed God teaches that his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. Kind of sounds like the gospel message right there in Genesis 5 by only putting together the names of these 10 generations. 
the heads of these generations. God is an intelligent designer. Even your children's name, even though you chose that child's name, is designed by God himself. I was named Richard. The reason I was named Richard is because my dad's name is Richard. That's why they chose the name. The reason my middle name is Scott is because my mama put her foot down and said I wasn't going to be a junior. Dad wanted me, Dad wanted me to be Richard Wayne, right? Because his dad before is Robert Wayne, so he wanted his his first name and to honor his daddy, middle name. That's what he wanted. He wanted me to be a junior to honor both him and his father. Mama said no. These are all choices with discussions and questions why and why not. Uh, okay, well, if we're not going to call him Wayne, what are we going to call him? Right? All of these things happen. And on my birth certificate was written Richard Scott Rambo, the first. Right? I don't have a one. That would be pretty cool. But it's Richard Scott Rambo. That was a decision made by my parents under my parents' own volition. And God willed it that way. Same thing that happened here. There's only a few times in the Bible that God has sent a specific messenger to name someone specifically like John the Baptist, like Jesus, right? There's, there's, there's a few instances in the Bible where names are changed from Abram to Abraham or from Jacob to Israel, right? All of them significant, all of them meaningful. Our choices are designed by God, without breaking our free will. It's, it's incredible. It really is. God's will will be done, and he uses, I, don't, I still to this day, I don't understand how he uses a corrupt creature like us to perform his perfect will. He uses our imperfect choices to enact his perfect will. It's because he loves us. He doesn't want us to be robots, right? He, he, he designed us to choose, and yet we choose his will always. It's great. It really is. Man is appointed to moral sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. What how do what does that mean? Like how do how do we use this information? Well, this is just one instance that shows that God he never has a depth that is that is reachable. We just read ten names, and out of those names come the rest of the Bible. It's, you, we was talking beforehand. Miss Eddie doesn't know how many times she read through the Bible, but it's been several. She hasn't reached the end of the Bible. You may have got to the last page, right? But something something compels you to turn back to the beginning and read it again. Right? We don't do that with with other books. You find something different. And that's it. I've read it since I joined the Baptist church. I read it with Brother Almost and all. But back then I didn't I didn't get it like I do a little bit better now. Yeah. And I'm still learning it. That's it, because God is revealing his revelation to you every time you read it, mm -hmm. right? And I know what I know now. If I read it again, 
I'm going to know more. I hope that you know more now, right? Gene uh, genealogies mean something. Don't skip things. Learn them. You may have to spend a little more time to, to pronounce that word or, or that name. But look up what that word means next time you don't know it. There's a reason it's in there. Or there would be something else there. Because I, I promise you, even Tyndale, when he's, when he's transcribing the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English the first time, literally having to make up English words to, to describe the words of the original language, he would have chose an easier word if he could have. But names mean something. Words mean things. It's there for, it's there for a reason. So there's, there's several lessons here. Um, the first, the first of them, uh, is here's a summary of the entire rest of the Bible, not just the New Testament, but the entire rest of the Bible tucked away in a genealogy in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The, the, the Jewish leaders argued with our apostles because they had the Torah, they had the writings, and they had the prophets, what we know is the Old Testament. We don't need anything else. And they're like, but 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 God has given us things, <laughs> right? Literally our church history. Why do we need something else? We have it. But yet there it is. Why, why do I need this revelation of this Christ? Well, turn to Genesis chapter 5 in your Torah, Mr. Leader. We need to explain this, this message that's right here, right? This demonstrates something that we encounter throughout all of Scripture. Every detail is there by design. What did Jesus say? In essence, he said, I'm not going to die until the law is fulfilled. Right? Every jot, every tittle, everything will be complete. That's why he's hanging on the cross and he says, it's finished. It's, it's done. I have fulfilled it. Everything is by design. God is the intelligent designer of all things, including Holy Scripture. If God didn't design the book, we don't need the book. But this is how he speaks to us. It also tells us that God's plan for redemption was not a knee-jerk reaction to Genesis chapter 3. When he comes down and he asks Adam, where are you at? That was a question that already had an answer. God already knew what Adam and Eve had done. God already knew what the serpent had done. God knew which bush they were behind. He wasn't asking for them to reveal themselves in this cosmic hide-and-seek. He was telling them to come, come to me. <laughs> you done messed up. You done messed up now, Aaron, right? Where are you at, Adam? Yeah, well, that's just it. He wasn't in the wrong part of the garden. And going, Marco, you know, <laughs> it was, he, he walked to them and then asked them to reveal themselves because that's exactly what God demands from us is to approach him in humbleness, in our sinfulness, approach him. Your holy God, who you have, who you have uh, sinned against. But this wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. 
God had ordained it before the foundations of the world, just like our Bible says. And, and here it is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he hasn't changed his plans. It's been this way since the beginning. His ways never change, and his will shall be done. It's, it's how we pray, right? The disciples say, how do we pray, Lord? We hear how you pray. Teach us to pray. And the first passage in that prayer is our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You're holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's all right here if you just open your eyes and see. It still amazes me how God can will all things to happen in His time and in His way and in His perfect will. He does this while allowing us to maintain our natural means of choice. You would think, if I set forth a plan, me as Scott Rambo, if I set forth a plan for this time next week to have X, Y, and Z done, but I'm going to let y'all choose how it's done. Do you think that my plan is going to be the plan that happens? No, absolutely not. If I say I want, I want anything, I want a million dollars right here, okay, by this time next week, and I've got a plan, I've got a perfect plan, I've got it figured out, but I'm not going to tell you, and it's by y'all's choice that there's going to be a million dollars right here by this time next week. Now, y'all go out and do it. Is there going to be a million dollars right here? Monopoly money, maybe. It ain't going to happen. But I had a plan, but it didn't work out because I'm not an intelligent designer. God is, right? But that's exactly what God has done throughout the eons of time. From before time began, he had a plan. He has a plan, and he will have a plan. And it's always been the same plan. And he uses sinful creatures to enact that plan out. Now, when you woke up this morning, did you know God's plan for your life? When you woke up this morning, did you know what God had for you to do today? No. All of us got up. Hopefully we prayed. We put our pants on. We went to work. We did, we did our, our diligence, our due diligence. You did God's will today. God's will was done. It's, it's, it's incredible to me. It really is. He's a great teacher. <laughs> He's a great teacher. That's it. That's it. Well, and, you know, and, and it's not only a Christian. It's, no. His will is done. No. It's everybody. everybody. No, the only thing that being a Christian does is that we can know his will. The world has no idea that they're going about their life and they're doing exactly what God has designed them to do. We can pray and go, Lord, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Show me. And he does. It's, it's, it's incredible to me. He does all of this while maintaining our free choice. He does not make us uh, into robots. He, he did not make me to choose the name of my child. That would have been bonkers bananas if I would have woke up and there's an angel standing in front of me going, hey, you're about to adopt a child, right? And when you adopt that child, he's going to come with a name, but that's not the name I've chose for him. 
I want you to change his name, and his name shall be Richard Paul Rambo. And I'm like, okay, cool. No, we. I chose, guess what? I did the same thing that my dad wanted to do. I gave him a name, Richard. Because we only have two names for, for boys in our family, Richard and Robert. Okay? So he was going to be named Richard. We named him Paul because I prayed and I fasted and I sought God and we named him Paul. No, we named him Paul because Tab's dad's name is Paul. <laughs> right? Yeah. And my mom and dad had already fought about me being a junior. Why bring that up again? We're not going to name him Richard Scott Jr. We're going to name him Richard Paul to honor our fathers. That was God's will. That's God's design. His name is Richard Paul because before eternity passed, God ordained it. You're named Eddie because God ordained it. You're named Ricky because Edwina. You're right. Sorry, Edwina. But it 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 is as God has willed it. It is as God has willed it. And we even have passages in the Bible that if we go against God's will, he changes it. Abram was supposed to be Abraham. His name was changed. Jacob was supposed to be Israel. His name was changed. Jesus was supposed to be Jesus. His name stayed the same. <laughs> because they had a perfect messenger, right? It's kind of like my first name is Thaddeus. Okay. Well, learning stuff every day. I did not know that. Well, my my grandma Joan wanted to name me that. See, and they they let her do it. Yeah. I, I tell people, you know, I never did like that woman. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. But that's a lie. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is. Yeah, but that it's. I I say that to say this. I had com I had complete full choice in naming my child what we named him, but that was also God's will. That's right. That's that's how God works. We're not spiritual robots. He actually influences our choice. And it's not in a way that takes choice away from me, but it is the right choice, especially after salvation, because now you have the spirit that is leading you and guiding you into all truth and righteousness. And even in my failure, because guess what? None of us are perfect. His will is done. So he didn't make me to choose the name of my child, but yet our our text tonight suggests that it is God's will that I chose the name that I did. He is the perfect God who wills his perfect will through the imperfect choices of man. Only God can do that. If we lined us up here and played the little whisper game, you know, where, where I whisper a phrase into Matt's ear and he turns and whispers a phrase into Tab's ear, by the time it got to Miss Eddie, it wouldn't be the same thing, right? Right? But yet God's will is that even in our imperfections, the message is the same. It's, it's incredible. It really is. When you start to, if you just stop and think about God, it, it blows your mind. It really does. Praise God that we are not 
the ultimate supreme beings who maintain order throughout all the cosmos. We would fail. Quick, I can barely keep a tab on my life, let alone somebody else's, let alone the world, let alone put keep the stars where they are and the, the mountains where they are. But yet God does all of this and he takes time out for you because he's personal. Praise God that we're not the elect robots, right? We're not the, the frozen chosen or, or the, the willless servants of an almighty God, but yet he, he maintains our will intact. Who, who acted first? Well, the Bible would say that God acted first, but you chose God, <laughs> right? These are all, and we can sit down, like I said, and we have went through the order of salvation and we've set it all down. All of that happens instantaneously. When was you regenerated? When did you have faith? When did you say, Lord, save me? All at the same time. It was all happening at the same time. It was my choice because I wanted to do, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Oh, Lord, literally. Now, now I'm praying. Lord, help me. It means something now. Right. My choice. Praise God that we're not elect robots with no choice in the matter. He, he leaves our choice intact. God created us with the ability to choose. But he also loves us enough to watch over us, correct us and even persuade us at times to make the choice that we need to make. Because he loves us and his will is going to be done. And he loves us enough to keep us in that will. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the ability to, to dive into these exciting passages of Scripture where even in, in a genealogy from Adam to Noah, we see grace and we see the gospel message going forth. That, Lord, we don't have to go very far into your word to see you. You're in the first sentence. You're in the last sentence. You're everywhere in between. Lord, I thank you for the ability to gather and, and do studies like this. Lord, I ask that this, as this goes out for the ones who wasn't here, that you, you touch them, Lord, and you pull them in closer to you, Lord, that you help them to endeavor to study your word. Lord, we ask this in your precious name. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.